people were just like you and me. And it's so important that you see how flawed they were so that your flaws don't end up destroying you. You see grace in these people's lives. You see Jesus working with Peter, and you think, if he can work with Peter, he can work with me. And this is important. It's important that you read the Bible and see the flaws, because it's easy for us to get what I would call religious and begin to hide our flaws. That actually doesn't help anybody, least of all you. And so it's important for us to talk about these things and, and understand that you have stories to tell, and those stories are going to include your flaws. Because if they don't, what good is the story? It's not that good of a story. <clears throat> Peter, was a, Peter was a man's man. He was that kind of guy. Like, I, I see him as kind of big and burly. He's a get-it-done guy, out-in-front guy, always a word guy, ready to say whatever was on his mind. Not always good, but he's ready with a word. He didn't have a very good start with Jesus, so I want to start here in Luke chapter 5. Now, we're going to take a journey through a lot of scriptures. You can join me uh, by hitting that QR code, by scanning that QR code. You can follow the message notes, or you can just... Turn really fast as I go to the scriptures that we're going to read, all right? But we're going to read a lot of them. Luke chapter 5 says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon also known as Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. <laughs> I love this about Simon, also known as Peter. Jesus says, why don't you go let down the nets? He's like, Jesus, <laughs> I'm the fisherman. I know where the fish are. Why don't you keep doing your rabbi thing? I'll keep doing my fisherman thing. But, G but Peter is so interesting here. Something in him says, but because you say so, the next verse says, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now, when Simon Peter saw this, he was so grateful that he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me. <laughs> go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I think this was Peter saying, I don't get it. I don't get what, I don't know what you want me to do here. I don't understand how this works. <laughs> I'm the expert fisherman and you know where the fish are. I don't understand what you're saying. I don't know how to do what you want me to do. For he and all his companions, verse 9 says, were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. You know, it's the, most, it's the most said commandment in all of Scripture. Fear not. 
Don't be afraid. Why don't you say it with me? Most of you didn't believe that. We don't believe it, do we? Jesus says to Peter, don't be afraid. He says, from now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats on the, up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Peter had a bigger-than-life personality. He was given to overconfidence. He had a, a lot of masking of insecurity. But he had big hopes and dreams. As he, as he began to follow Jesus, he really didn't understand what Jesus wanted from him. But here's what I want you to understand today. Number one, Peter tried and failed. Peter tried and failed. I want you to look at a series of scriptures in Matthew. We're going to look at a scripture in Matthew 14, 15, 16, and 17. So follow along with me. In verse 22 of chapter 14, it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. This is an amazing story. So many people know this story. Even those who don't know the Bible, they know that Jesus walked on water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified because they, they didn't know what it was. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Jesus keeps telling us that. We should believe him. Peter, notice what he says. So he's, so he's told Jesus, I don't get it. You know where the fish are. Okay, I'm going to start doing it on your terms. Lord, if it's you, <laughs> he just said it's me. <laughs> Lord, if it's you, Tell me to come to you on the water. <laughs> Jesus is like, come on. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. You know, that's the right response every time you start to sink. He said, but when the wind, uh, but when the wind, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me immediately. Everybody say immediately. <laughs> immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. I don't think he was mad at him either. It's like, he was just saying, why do you have so little faith? Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. This is an incredible moment. And I want you to think about all the disciples when Peter and Jesus get back in the boat. What do you think was happening? What this verse says is they were all like, Jesus, that was amazing. They're like giving him high fives. You are who you say you are. This is amazing. This is incredible. And Peter's kind of sitting there dripping wet. Hey, you know, he was the only one who was wet. He's the only one who got out of the boat. 
How do you think Peter felt? How do you think Peter felt when he got back in the boat and everybody's high-fiving Jesus? I've tried, and I've failed, and I've sank. I think maybe Peter was thinking about that. How about you? Have you ever tried and failed, but then you just sink? I think Peter was trying to be impressive to Jesus, and I think he was really interested in doing what Jesus did. I don't think all his motives were improper. But I think we see that over and over again, he says these things that no one else will say, (laughs) which is actually a really good quality. But what you realize is when you say things others won't say, Jesus will say things to you that he won't say to others. In the next chapter, he says, Matthew 15, Matthew, verse 15 through 16, Peter said, the, Jesus is teaching this parable to them. He's explaining it all to them. In verse 15, Peter said, explain this parable to us. I love Jesus' response in verse 16. Are you still so dull? I don't know when the last time you were called dull, but it's not a compliment. <laughs> this word dull, it means without understanding. Are you still without understanding? Jesus kind of calls out Peter in front of everybody. He kind of walks into it, but Jesus calls him out nonetheless. And I think he might have felt maybe even like an idiot. Because think about what Jesus said. Are you still so dull? (laughs) Like you don't realize it at first. Are you still so dull? This is kind of Peter's journey. Jesus kind of feels like he's being rough on him from time to time, but... Peter may be not embarrassed. He may be inside because, you know, he's got this thing about him. It could be inside. He was like, Jesus, I was just asking for them. <laughs> like, I'm just asking because these guys are confused. Look at verse 16, or chapter 16 in verse 13, we see another story about Jesus' interaction with Peter. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter, always first to answer. Verse 17, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, you have to understand what Jesus is doing here. What he's saying is kind of a little play on words because Peter means little pebble and rock means large stone, right? So he's saying, you're, you're a little pebble, but I'm going to make you into a rock. And this rock of revelation that's come to you, I'm going to build something on that. But I want you to notice how Jesus starts it. He's, Jesus is really good at asking questions. I think it's, I think it's probably good stuff creates good storytelling to ask questions. People will tell you their story if you ask enough questions. And sometimes it's their story 
Sometimes it's their story being told to you that will solicit your story being told to them. I'm going to talk about that next week. Don't miss it. It's going to be really good. But here, Jesus says, who am I? Elijah? Um, Jeremiah, maybe? You know, they're all answering. One of the prophets. <laughs> Think about it. John the Baptist. You can imagine Jesus saying, uh, John baptized me. <laughs> Duh. I can't be him. <laughs> we were both there at the same time. You were there. You got to read between the lines sometimes. Sometimes you read the Bible with your holy glasses. You don't see what it really says. You got to read it with the reality of interpersonal relationships and what was going on here. Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, the Messiah. And Jesus points to him and says, this is a miracle that you figured this out. <laughs> He's like, this is amazing that this guy, this is what you didn't come up with this on your own. The Holy Spirit revealed this to you. <laughs> and you can imagine Peter's like, Whew. He's walking along with the other guys. He's like, <laughs> called me the rock. I'm the rock. And just so you guys all know, <laughs> he gave me the keys. I got the keys. <laughs> I got the keys to the kingdom. So I just want you to know about that. But look what happens in verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his, his disciples. This is just a few verses later as, as um, Matthew records it. He says, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, what you, as we unpack this, verse 21, Jesus is telling them, well, here's what's going to happen next. I want to include you on what this, how this story is going to unfold, and I want you to realize it. And Peter begins to rebuke Jesus. You got to be feeling pretty good about yourself to rebuke Jesus. Like you, you're, you're the self on the self awareness scale. Peter's not high. Okay, uh, Jesus calls him Satan. It's a bad day when Jesus calls you Satan. I think it would have hurt my feelings if Jesus would have turned to me and said, "Devil." I, that wouldn't have made me feel good. But this story helps me see that there's a guy that says stupid things like I do that I impose my view on what Jesus is doing. And often I've been clueless about what he's doing. And it's okay because Jesus speaks real directly to him. But I think, and I think Peter probably would, might, have, might have thought, okay, I've had enough calling out for one day, maybe for a few months, I'm going to be quiet from now on. I'm just going to shut down. I'm not going to say anything again. That would have been the smart thing maybe to think. But here we are in the next chapter, Matthew 17, verse 1 through 8. He says, after six days, Jesus took him with him, Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them. 
His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before him Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. He can't help himself. This is so awesome. We got, and then look what he says. Let's put up three churches for you. Each of you needs a church of your own. And where people could come and worship you. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright color cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. <laughs> it's almost like, like God is telling Peter, Shut up! Like it's, nobody's asking Peter to say anything. Nobody's asking, but he can't help it. So he just, he just starts to speak and he's like, let's build. He doesn't know what this is for. He's just, he's, he's, once again, his own idea of what should happen comes out. And this voice, notice, notice what um, verse five says, while he was still speaking. <laughs> it's pretty bad when God has to interrupt you. <laughs> verse six, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground terrified, but Jesus came and touched them. You can imagine it. They're like, his clothes are shining. Everything is bright. Every, two of the most revered figures in all of the Old Testament are standing there and Jesus and them are talking and they're like, oh my gosh, what is this? And then the voice booms and said, listen, and they go straight to their face. And then Jesus comes up touches them, everything's back to normal again. I want you to see what Jesus said. Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Everybody say, get up. Yes. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. This is cool, what's happening here. It is really awesome. Peter was overwhelmed. This is Old Testament talking to New Testament. This is a holy moment. But Peter can't shut up. It happens again in John 13. As we look at John 13, verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. <laughs> Jesus answered, you can see it, can't you? Now that I've taken off your holy glasses, like you can see exactly what's happening in the room. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head and everything that I got. <laughs> Jesus, you have to see what's happening. He's in the room. Jesus knows where he's come from and where he's going. And the Bible says he has all, he understands all power is his. And just a side note. The test of great power is whether you will use it to serve people. Jesus realizes he has all power, so what does he do? He takes a towel, 
and he bends down and he washes the feet of the denier and the betrayer and all who will run from him after his death, during his death. So you got to see what's happening here. The creator is washing the creation's feet. He's going from person to person. It's a a holy kind of thing. And he's going from one person to the next. And finally he gets to Peter. And Peter's response is, Lord, are you washing my feet? Duh, you're next. You're next in line. It's not in the text. But I think Jesus might have said, what I'm doing now You do not understand, but you will after this, if you'll just shut up. (laughs) Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. That can't happen. He's kind of feigning false humility. Jesus sets him straight and says, unless I wash your feet, you can have no part with me. Unless you're willing to go low, you have no part with me. Unless you're willing to let me serve you, it's going to be really hard for you to collaborate with me. And then Peter responds in all his strength and fierceness. Well, then everything I got, Lord, give it to me. Listen, Peter didn't just fail over and over again. Peter failed spectacularly. (laughs) Spectacularly. Matthew 26 Verse 31 says, then Jesus told them, this very night you will fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the, oops, I will strike the shepherd. Sorry, my, my, my iPad went away. Uh, Where are we? Uh, Matthew 26. Okay. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. By this time, Jesus is kind of more matter of fact. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Go down to verse 69, all the way down, you, you, you reach kind of the pinnacle of the story. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. Verse 73, after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. And then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. In Luke's story, in Luke's story, he, he identifies the fact that when this is happening and just as the rooster crows, verse 61 says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. 
Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You've got to see the context of what's happening here. Jesus is being beaten. His beard is being plucked out. And Peter is undergoing the greatest test of his belief in Jesus. And he denies him. He catches the eyes of Jesus at the moment. Luke records it as at the moment that he hears the rooster crowing and he goes out and weeps bitterly. I think I've felt this way. I bet you have too. See, you and I have to get in touch with the depth of our stories. Because if you don't, Resurrection's not that big of a deal. I'll tell you what I mean here. Here's Peter's resurrection story, right? Here's what I want to tell you. Peter failed. He tried and failed, didn't he? He didn't just fail once. He failed spectacularly over and over again. But here's what Peter did. Are you ready? Peter got up again. Peter got up again. This whole time, Peter gets up every time. Peter has a moment of doubt, a moment of anguish, a moment of pride, a moment of arrogance, and then he, he falls down. Jesus even is pretty hard on him sometimes, but then calls him to himself. I want you to see this. Mark 16, verse 1 through 7. This is the resurrection story. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, there were, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. I wonder if it might have happened this way. I wonder if Jesus, having been raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit, that entered him and raised him, the power that raises Jesus from the dead also dwells in you is what Romans says. It raised him from the dead. He got up and there's angels there. And I wonder, I wonder if he said, all right, well, here's the instructions I want you to give. All right, when you, I want you to hang out here. I got to go. And so I want you to make sure you tell the women. I see they're on their way. And make sure you tell them to tell the men. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the women tell the men what's really happening. Husbands, figure it out. <laughs> he instructs them, but he does this. He does this thing. He says, go tell the disciples. Oh, and may, may, hey, make sure that you mention Peter. Make sure that when you tell them, mention Peter, because I, I imagine he's feeling pretty bad right now. I imagine he's feeling so ashamed, so sad, so burdened. I want you to make sure you say his name by name and tell him, I'm here. Tell him, because I got up again, he can get up again. 
Here's what I want you to hear from me today. Your story has all kinds of intersections with God. And one of, the, one of the problems for us as Jesus followers is sometimes we tell about all the good stuff that Jesus has, but we don't tell, him, we don't tell anybody how bad it was. And when you don't explain the, the full story, what ends up happening is what has happened in our very prosperous consumer and convenience culture, which is Jesus has all the goodies. <laughs> if you want to, if you need God's blessing in your life, then you need, you need to take Jesus into your heart and then he'll give you all the good stuff. And then it becomes this pursuit of Jesus for what I can get and sort of a prosperity gospel kind of vibe. Do you understand what I mean by this? It's not that God doesn't want to bless. He does. In fact, I think that's what he does best. And he doesn't need to come up with ways to teach you a lesson on his own because the world's broken enough. There's a bunch of bad stuff happening already. You already got a bunch of stories in your past that are bad enough for him to come and touch you and heal you, restore you, right? I think we have to tell our stories because here's the thing. Because Jesus got up again, you can get up again. Because Jesus got up again, this is resurrection life. Because he has resurrection life, it means you can get up again when you fall, when you fail. Here's the deal. You have, most of you in here have one, probably one, maybe two awesome salvation stories. You have a great salvation story. I, most of us do. Maybe you don't. You're here today. You've never, you've never embraced Jesus as Savior or Lord or, or the one you want to follow. That's okay. We're so glad you're here. But most of you have one salvation story. Here's what I will let you know. You don't just have one resurrection story. You've got a whole bunch of them. You had a whole bunch of places where you thought something was dead and gone. You thought you had screwed it up so bad Jesus could never, never fix what was wrong. And yet he did. You got stories about things that you thought were dead and they came to life. You got, you got stories in your past about how broken it was and yet Jesus came and restored you. We gotta tell all those stories. Those are the resurrection stories. And those stories are so important because when Jesus said to Peter, since I got up, you can get up, what happened was Peter was feeling like a failure. He, he, John 21, this is your homework, ready? I always give homework. John 21, read John 21. It's where Jesus appears to Peter for the third time. And he's on the beach and they're out on the boat and he, he yells out to them, hey, have you caught anything? No, we haven't caught anything. He's like, throw it over on the other side. And when they did, actually, actually, I think as soon as he said it, I think John said, it's the Lord. Because he remembered the first story. Remember the first story? Jesus falls down on his knees. Peter, get away, or God, Jesus, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Uh. Suddenly, the scripture records, 
Peter puts on his outer clothing and then jumps in the water. I love that part. And, and gets himself wet. He swims all the way to the shore and there's Jesus cooking some fish. And there over a fire, Jesus restores Peter and says, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, then feed my lambs. Do you love me? He says it again. And he says, yes, Lord. You know I love you. And he says, take care of my sheep. He says it one, Jesus says it one more time. What is he doing? Oh, maybe he's doing it once for each time he denied him. Maybe Jesus understands that it takes more than one statement to fix it in here or in here. And Jesus is good like that. And he, and he says it one more time, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, you, Jesus, you know all things. You know I love you. And he says, then I want you to feed my sheep. And then, and then, and then Jesus says, come and follow me. You know why Peter was fishing? He hadn't fished in a long time. He said, I give up. I'm going back to what I know. This is Jesus saying, no, you can get up again. You can get up again. And when you get up again, what happens is you, become, you, you free yourself from shame, from addiction, from hatred, from the past, from woundedness, from history, from anything that's taken your confidence, anything that's taken your faith, anything that's taken your courage, you can get up again, and then you must tell that story. 